It's the episode that we've been hyping for a while now, and it's finally here with the trade deadline nearing closer and closer. With each passing day, we discuss the players that are most likely looking for a new home in late February. We also take a quick look at the Ducks' struggles and a memorable career for Rick Nash. Episode 154 starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And uh, today, as uh, we mentioned uh, in the tee up, we're going to delve into the tray bait. Not rain nor hail nor sleep nor shine is going to get in the way of this tray bait episode. What will get in the way for a brief moment is the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? I am ready, yes. All right, question 42. If any of you Canadian fans are listening and you don't get this, I'll be slightly disappointed. Um, but uh, Brett is American, so I don't blame him if he doesn't get this. Uh-oh. Question 42. A lot of pressure now. <laughs> question 42. This is, this is Canadian-themed. Who provided the entertainment for Wayne Gretzky's induction ceremony at the Hall of Fame in 1999? Was it A, Shania Twain, B, the band Rush, C, Stompin' Tom Connors, or D, the Bare Naked Ladies? All Canadian music acts. Right, I was about to say, I thought, like, I knew Shania Twain is Canadian, but I don't know why, why she would have to do with uh, Wayne Gretzky. Um, so wait, it's Bare Naked Ladies, Shania Twain, who are the other two? Uh, Rush, the band Rush, I don't know okay. how big I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Stompin' Tom Connors. Okay, so just, you gave, you kind of, you unintentionally gave me a hint, because the Stompin' Tom Connors is the only one of these musical acts that I haven't heard of, and I feel like that's, that's why you feel like I'm not going to get this one, so I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yes, yeah. woo! It was Stompin' Tom Connors, and you you know what he's famous for? What? You know the good old hockey game song? Yeah. That's Stompin' Tom Connors. Also, the Bare Naked Ladies are Canadian? I thought they were American. Oh, no, they're Canadian. Well, they, okay. they, they have some Canadian uh, band members in there. I'm pretty uh, sure they're Canadian. I just looked it up, yeah. It says they're a Canadian band. Um... Yeah, I mean, they were very popular back in the 90s. Um, okay, interesting. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's get to, finally, the trade bait episode. we kind of been uh, talking about it. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about it more off-air than on-air, but we did mention yeah, it we, we've briefly. been teasing it on-air, but never, or we, we've yeah. been Just like a brief on-air. mention, we're like, oh, we were going to do a trade bait episode, but then this happened, or we were going to do a trade bait episode, and then this happened. And we almost yeah. did it again this week, but, um, with the Ducks, but, uh, we decided to not do that. Um, instead, we're going to put the trade bait episode here. Um, having said all that, the uh, 
the trade deadline is on February 26th. So there's still about, you know, as we're recording this, it's January 16th. So we have about uh, 30 days on until the deadline. So I mean, there's still some time left. Um, I imagine a, a lot of, especially a lot of these players that we're going to be talking about, I imagine a lot of the trades are going to happen maybe a week or two beforehand because these are all guys that are uh, have one year left on their contract so all these players that if the if these teams are going to trade these players away it's only going to be for um uh like a rental reason or maybe more if depending on the trade um but um but like i guess when they when you trade like in the middle of the season like this, they like prorate the contract. So it's not like every team has to pay um, the same amount that right. the original team has. So I've, I have a feeling that's why it's gonna, it's, it might be a while before these guys are gonna be traded, but we'll see. I, I, I could be wrong. Um, anyways, uh, we're gonna start off with, uh, we have five, or five players to mention, and then one s- s- uh, interesting situation from a team uh, to go through. Uh, so first, we're going to talk to about uh, Matt Duchesne, uh, the guy who famously um, was in that three-way trade a couple uh, last season, um, and the Sens gave away their first-round pick to the Colorado Avalanche and then the uh you know the poop hit the fan I don't want to say the uh yeah, the yeah, other yeah. word but yeah, yeah. uh and uh now everything like you you know it would have been good if Colorado uh had stunk and this was going to be the move that the Sens were going to take to become legitimate playoff teams and kind of the opposite happened so um it backfired but having said all that, and Matt Duchesne has been fantastic um, when he's you know when he's played. Uh, he has 18 goals and 24 assists. That equals to 42 points um, in 37 games. So that's more than a point per game. Um, he's only 27 years old, so he's not even that old either. Um, and he's making six million dollars. So that's the only bad thing. And I feel like. It does make sense for the Senators to sign him um, because he is their best player. Um, and, you know, you went through all this trouble to get him. You know, you might as well sign him long term like that. But at the same time, you know, they, I think if I were the Senators and I and we have a Suns fan right here, and I think he'll agree too that. I think you'd rather have the Colorado first round pick at this moment, um, the Colorado the, the pick that you gave away. So I feel like whoever you trade, if you're going to trade Matt Duchesne, I think you could get a big return for him. And that would include getting a first round pick. Um, it doesn't have to be to Colorado again. That would be kind of weird. But it would be like, you know, if you can get like a, a team that needs a center, um, but like the, that's somewhere in a late to the mid round, then you can sort of like tell the fans that, hey, like 
we messed up this trade, but at least we got something back for it and we're back in the first round. So um, I think it does make sense for Duchesne to be traded in that, in that sense. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts from an actual sense, man? Well, the only reason, let, let's not forget, first of all, why Matt Duchesne is on this list. And there's one reason. It's because, well, okay, it's multiple reasons. The team he's playing for right now, the Ottawa Senators, who just can't seem to really catch a, even a even a sniff of good news these days. Um, so there's one. Uh, but mostly why he originally joined this team in the first place is the big reason. He said it right. very clear from the moment sure. he arrived in Ottawa, he wanted to play playoff hockey. The Sens, at the time of the trade, were in a position to do that in November of 2017. Of course, Eric Carlson traded, Dion Phaneuf traded, Derek Broussard traded. Team is now in rebuild mode. Not expected to make the playoffs this year. Yep. Probably the year after that, not making the playoffs either. Right. So the question is, does Duchesne want to sign a long-term deal and fully commit to this franchise when you don't really know how good this team is going to be down the road? I think if he does sign with Ottawa, it's probably for two seasons. Um, I think the only perk of playing for the Sens at this point for Matt Duchesne is closer to his hometown as a new dad. Um, that's important if you have that luxury of being closer to home. It's his birthday um, right now, actually. Yeah. Today? So um, the Sens are not going to take their chances at signing him this offseason. That much I fully believe. I fully believe he will get traded if he's not signed to a new deal before the trade deadline because of especially what this team had to give up to get him, including, as we mentioned, that first-round pick that could turn into Jack Hughes in six months' time if the Sens are bad enough. Right. Uh, and if you look at Matt Duchesne's stats, you're right. He's been playing great for the Sens this year, and he could get a very big haul. Uh, last year, 23 goals, 49 points, and 68 games with Ottawa after the trade to Colorado, also had 163 shots on goal. Um, his shooting percentage this year has gone from 13.8 to uh, to a remarkable 20%. He has 18 goals to his name on just 90 shots this year, 42 points in 37 games, only a minus five. When you consider how bad Ottawa's been defensively, minus five isn't that bad. That's true, yeah. So if he doesn't stay, Matt Duchesne easily fetches a first-round pick and other assets. Yep. And every team that's in contention is going to put in their best pitch to get a guy like Matt Duchesne. Yep. And the market is going to be very, very high for him. So that's why the Sens can't wait for the summer, because if they are hoping to sign him on July 1st, they will be outbidded and they will be outclassed by a lot of other teams that are in a better position to win than they are. Yeah. And if Duke gets traded, one of the first things, one of the first teams I'm thinking of is the Vegas Golden Knights. I mm. think they are going to do something big at the deadline, whether it's Matt Duchesne or somebody else, they're going to make a significant move. Yeah, that that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, I have a list of, Steve saw this already, but I have a list of uh, team. I went through each team and decided on which team needs centers, which team needs wingers, and which team needs defensemen. So Vegas is in my list of centers. Um, one interesting, so Vegas is one of those teams. Um, one of the interesting teams that I would think that he uh, would be a good fit on would be Winnipeg. Um, 
if they can figure it out money wise, uh, it would yeah, be, be an interesting experiment. Actually. Um, especially since like I remember last year when the uh, the Jets got uh, got um, what's his Paul face Stasny. Paul Stasny and like all of a sudden Patrick Laine was the best player on the face of the earth, and I, I think part of that reason was was because Paul Stasny um, wasn't you know what was there and he was able to like take the load off of or like you know like teams were more worried about the Shifley line and then when the Winnipeg Jets had another good center it's not that Brian Little's bad by the way but I I don't think he's a second line center um so like when you have a guy like a Paul Stasny or and Matt Duchesne's even better than Paul Stasny um easily better than Paul Stasny. yeah so so I think if I were Winnipeg, I'd try to get Duchesne on my team. I know that they have a weird cap situation in the summer, so I, I have a feeling that's going to be a um, tricky situation uh, come the summer. But I think it's worth a shot because you know, like you're, you're only, like Patrick Laine is on his last year as an RFA. Uh, Kyle Connor is also in our like he's on the rookie contract. Um, Jacob Truba has one more year left. Um, so, so if I were the Winnipeg Jets, I'd just try to get like Matt Duchesne and see if you can jumpstart Patrick Laine um, and in that second line because uh, there's only so many chances that you can have um, in this window. Um, other teams, Buffalo, I think would be interesting. Um, although I feel like they're a couple years away and it would be kind of weird for Ottawa trading him in division. Um, we know that Paul Dorian does not like trading in the division. Uh, Carolina, uh, Vegas, as you mentioned, uh, another interesting team would be Dallas. Um, I'm not sure if it makes cap sense, but um, Dallas could uh, use uh, some more forward depth, um, so so that would be interesting. Like you have Sa you have to deal with Sagan on one line, and then you have Duchesne um, when when he's when Sagan's not on the ice. That would be nuts. Um, yeah. And then St. Louis, if they, I mean, I know they're kind of out of the playoffs at this moment, but um, if St. Louis wants, you know, really wants to be in then they can do that also i guess anaheim would be another one um i know we're going to talk about them in a, in a couple of minutes but um they've been on a losing skid to say the least and uh they kind of do need some centers because ryan kessler is not who he used to be um but yeah so th that was my list of centers uh let's go to uh our next player um Anyways, uh, uh, Gustav Nyquist, um, he has 46 point game in 48 games played. He has, um, 11 goals and 29 assists. Um, he has 40 points. So that's 40 points in 48 games. Um, he's only 29 years old and he's, you know, he still has a nice cap hit of uh, 4.75 million, uh, per year. Um, of course this is going to be prorated when he's traded, but, um, you know, he's he's actually kind of had a breakout season this year. I feel like he hasn't, like, his most 
he's ever gotten has been 54 points um, when he was 25 years old in 2014. Um, so that was that was a couple of years ago, obviously. But um, you know, he could he's gonna surpass that easily uh, this year. Um, so I feel like he's kind of like finally get shaping into his own. Um, I feel like having said all that, there is a chance that I feel like even though the Red Wings are rebuilding, um, and they could definitely get, he's probably the best winger on the market right now in terms of rentals. But at the same time, I feel like, um, the red, he might like the Red Wings make sense to just keep him there. Cause I don't know what, like, cause I know they're rebuilding, but he could be a good asset for them when they do ultimately contend in, you know, a year or two. So, um, we could see, um, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I, I think you're right. I think he's just as likely to sign with the Red Wings as he is to get dealt to be honest, because yeah. you know, this, Offense basically revolves around Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, and Gustav Nyquist. So if you trade Nyquist, then uh, I guess you expect to be even worse next year. So, right. Um, at the same time, though, Gustav Nyquist is a very curious case, especially over the past couple of years. Uh, in his rookie season, he had 28 goals. The following year, he had 27. One of the reasons in, the, in his earlier NHL years why Detroit continued their uh, postseason appearance stretch uh, for probably a couple more seasons than people expected. Um, and then after that, we didn't see the results coming in waves as often. In year three, didn't hit 20 goals. Year four, he only gets 12 goals. Uh, so he basically scored two fewer goals in years three and four combined than in his second year alone. But like his first two seasons, he still got over 150 shots on target. And then there was last year where he scored 21 goals, which to me is an improvement. Yep. Uh, and in that same year, he also got a career high in shots on goal. He had 213 shots on goal last year. Only 10 goals scored this year, but 125 11. shots and 40 points in 48 games. That's still pretty good. He has 11 Already goals, by the way. Point totals from last year. So um, I, I, I certainly think uh, uh, your point about a career year um, is is not overblown. Like his career, his career year for most points in a season is 54, which he said in year two. But yeah. like I said, he has 40 points. So if you're going to trade Gustav Nyquist, this is probably the highest his value has ever been since his second year. Um, and he would be a free agent if he doesn't resign with Detroit this year. Um, so I, I definitely think, Whoa. especially depending on how the superstar market goes with guys like Panarin, guys like Duchesne, um, that could determine how much interest Detroit gets in Gustav Nyquist. Yep. I think if the superstar thing doesn't work out, you're going to have a lot of people bidding for Gustav Nyquist. It might turn into a, a very quiet debate if uh, the superstars, uh, if everyone's bidding for the superstars like Panarin and Duchesne. Um, as for teams who might acquire him, maybe Boston chimes in. I don't yep. think sacrificing a bit of more youth is a good idea following the Rick Nash trade and how that worked out for them. Yeah. Um, Although Ryan Spooner pretty, didn't turn out to pan out as much. Yeah, so. but yeah. exactly. So, it does, it uh, did hurt to not have that first round pick, though, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why I say Boston might be uh, yep. a bit more... A passive on a deal like that the penguins might be an option because i heard 
Derek Broussard might be trade bait. So oh, we'll see how that goes. And uh, I can also see Columbus in the mix. If the Panarin situation goes south, uh, if Columbus wants to stay competitive, I think uh, they might take a crack at Nyquist. Yeah, um, yeah. Bo- I was actually thinking Boston, but I, then I was also gonna mention what you just said about that whole Rick Nash situation. And yeah. I feel like we're there. Boston's probably gonna stay away. Having said that, if Boston is going to make a trade, um, they're probably gonna try to get a winger um, so that they can add more depth on that on that side. Um, mm-hmm. Which Nyquist, I believe, is a winger. Yeah, he? and he is a winger. Um, other teams I was thinking that could be interesting is Buffalo. Uh, they could be interesting because they have, uh, um, you know, they have a couple of centers out there, but, you know, uh, they need some forward depth if they want to be serious contenders. Um I also have the Islanders. Colorado could be interesting so that they don't have just that one line. Um, Dallas, Minnesota, um, Edmonton I have. Uh, Edmonton really needs wingers. So, um, Edmonton how, needs yeah. a lot of things. Exactly. But I feel like their biggest need is wingers because I, I still feel like uh, – Puliyarvi and Yamamoto have like maybe one or two more years left um, to figure things out, and yeah. uh, they don't really have a ton left. Um, so I feel like Edmonton w- is definitely in the market for wingers. I I did hear rumors that they're gonna try to trade Puliyarvi, um, and scouts are like sent out in mass uh, to like look at every team. Um, so Edmonton's probably going to make some move, but I, I don't know if trading pool URV is the answer just now. I wouldn't trade him just yet. Um, but yeah, those, those are some teams there. Um, if I had a guess though, I would say that he's going to stay put. Um, however, if, if Detroit is going to trade him, I'm going to say, uh, probably the, the Islanders would that be weird? Um, I mean, again, I don't know if the uh, cap situation works out, but uh, I don't know. It kind of. I feel like I could see uh, Nyquist on the Islanders. They have. They finally have defense now, but now they, you know, they need uh, wingers and centers and stuffs to help out Matt Barzal and t- and company. So, um, so and they, I and they yeah. have a lot of prospects where. Um, yeah. Maybe Detroit could use something, especially right. you know, with with the whole Josh saying thing. Uh, I I heard that uh, yeah. apparently he was late for a practice, and that's why he got sent down to the AHL again. So, um, I, I think probably Josh saying's uh, time with the Islanders is on thin ice. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Detroit could fix him, but. Uh, yeah, um, they, they certainly have a lot of uh, forward prospects, a lot of defensive prospects where maybe they can make uh, something work out. I don't think they would have the draft picks to get it done, but I definitely think they have the prospects to do it. I think I don't think it'd be as weird as Colorado and Detroit making a meaningful trade, which if that happened in the 90s, everyone would lose right. their mind. Yeah, Colorado's another good team. Although I feel like they need more centers than wingers, but yeah, yeah. wingers could be interesting too. Um they really just need another line and completely. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, another night, another another All Star worthy line. Yeah, they they pretty much just have Landeskog, McKinnon, and Rantanen, which of course they're elite players, but then everyone else kind of is is not as good. Um, and they have the again the young prospects to make it happen. Guys like JT Comfort, yeah. guys like Tyson Yost, those are all guys that uh, Detroit could use. Yeah. Uh, so these these next two guys happen to be on the same team. Um, uh, let's start with Kevin Hayes. Um, he is injured at the moment, so it's his his stock is kind of dropped a bit. But when he was healthy, he's he's had a career breakout year. Um, he's had 33 points in 39 games. Uh, 10 of those were goals, um, so that's 23 assists. Um, he's he's pretty underrated. I, I have him in a few of my fantasy leagues, and I love him, but um, he... Uh, he he always gets you points for some reason, even though like no one really talks about it. And his defensive game is pretty good too. So um, so he's like a good kind of like a two way forward in that sense. Um, having so I I uh, he's uh, twenty six years old, um, which is obviously pretty young. Um, he's the youngest of the players we're going to be talking about. So that's an added. Um, point for this um i know he's a big boston bruins fan so i would love to see him although i know he plays wing um we don't really need a ton of centers i guess so um but uh and i know we had that experiment with jimmy hayes that didn't help his brother but um i don't know i I would i would take a shot at kevin hayes if i were the bruins um but um, I don't know. I feel like uh, Colorado. Speaking of Colorado, I feel like Colorado could make a move for Kevin Hayes. That would be an interesting um, combination there. Um, he's just someone who can kind of like drive play in a way, and he adds the defensive element. And I think, in in that sense, the Rangers could get um, get a a. Uh, like this, the equivalent to what they got for McDonough last year, or what they got, or NJT Miller, and what they got for um, what's his face, Rick Nash. So, um, yeah, um, yeah. What are you, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, Kevin Hayes is a five-year NHL veteran. I guess if five years you call someone a veteran, I don't know yeah. what the limit is until you call someone a veteran in this league, but. Uh, during that time, he's been a guy that can average 40 to 45 points, not really 50. Yep. Um, but over the past two years, he's been playing some of his best hockey while the Rangers as a team weren't playing their best hockey. True. Uh, he hit the 20-goal mark and surpassed the 20-goal mark for the first time in his career last year. He had uh, 25 goals in 76 games uh, in 2017-18. Yeah, his career uh, high was 49 points. Yeah. Two years and, ago. And... Uh, it should also be noted that uh, last year he also recorded six power play goals, four game winners, and 172 shots, all of which were personal highs for him. Um, yet, at the same time, his point total went down by five points compared to the season before. And uh, this year, like you mentioned, uh, putting up uh, what could be a career year, um, only has two power play goals and just 10 goals scored overall this year, but for a guy only has 89 shots on the year, that's not too bad. Yep. Um, I, I definitely think he's going to be a hot commodity um, uh, amongst the depth guys. 
If you don't want to fork up the compensation for an all-star talent, he could be a ch- another cheap depth guy that could be a solid use for a playoff contender. Um, but his cap hit went up by more than $2 million last summer. It was $2.6 million uh, in his previous contract, $5.175 million um, this year for the one-year deal that he signed. UFA after this year, I don't know what uh, he's going to command in the offseason, so this is probably going to be one of those rental trades. Um, I, At the same time, I think he's probably worth more than any tradable ranger player at the moment um if you look at someone like chris Crowder, he has over 100 shots on goal leads the rangers with 21 goals this year uh also in the past he had scored 28 goals one season um he's hit the 20 goal mark four times in his career hit and surpassed the 50 point mark which kevin hayes has never done so when you compare hayes to Crowder, i think Crowder's the better option we at least know how fast he is even if he's not scoring um, he's a guy you don't want to take your eyes off of, and that opens the door for other players when you're looking at the fastest guy on the ice. Um, and the reason why I think Kevin Hayes is tradable is because I don't know if this career year is a mirage or not. So maybe by trading him now when his value is highest, you're going to get the best return for sure. him. Um, so I, I just don't think he fits in the Rangers' plan. Uh so I think, again, a team like Pittsburgh that's yep. probably going to do something might take a chance on him, um, especially if Broussard goes the other way. I think uh, it's important for the Rangers uh, to get some veteran experience because there's they're a very relatively young team. You need veteran uh, support. And, and Broussard, even though he's been traded out of the Rangers before, um, he's a veteran that provides leadership. So... Um, I think Pittsburgh might be a fit. Like you said, Colorado could be an interesting choice and maybe even Boston, but um, I don't think Kevin Hayes stays in New York. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Like, I guess, like, this, the same applies for Nyquist and uh, uh, two in the sense that, like, you know, they're, they're both on a career, they're both on a breakout career season. And you like to like think that oh there's more to come out of these so like I think like I could see the Rangers keeping him because they they believe in him and and his abilities but then on the other hand you know that they have guys like Philip Hedl, Leas Anderson, uh, Brett Howden, um, Tony D'Angelo like all those guy like young guys in their system Vitaly Kraftsoff who hasn't even made the uh, the team yet. So like they have a bunch of guys in their system that like that's going to be a part of their rebuild. And I'm not necessarily sure if Kevin Hayes is going to like he could be that veteran presence guy when all those guys get called up or he could be traded and and get even more prospects for them um in the yeah. future. So so that that's interesting. Um, I hadn't realized the, the this, but the difference is I can see the Rangers succeeding without Kevin Hayes. I don't think I see the same if Nyquist leaves Detroit. You could see that's, the Rangers. That's, that's the only difference that I have. Well, I don't know. I feel like Detroit revolves around Larkin and Mantha, um, and I. But like you also have a guy like Zadina, uh, you know. Um, they're gonna get a, a top pick this year as well. So 
Um, and they have Zadina up and coming as well. Uh, yeah, I said Zadina. Rasmussen, I forgot about him. Chalowski. So they they are in good shape rebuilding wise. Um, that they don't like they're kind of in the same position as Detroit is though. But yeah, I see what you mean. Um, I feel like you you could say that um, Nyquist is a better player than Kevin Hayes is right now, um, mm-hmm. or that like you know that. Nyquist could probably get more than what Kevin Hayes could get um, in return. And, and, so. and like uh, the the success with Nyquist, like Nyquist has had some level of success before this year. True. Kevin Hayes has been good, but, but I I don't think I've seen too many years where he's been this good though. True. I've seen years where Nyquist has been arguably the Wings' best player sometimes. Well, like last year he had a twenty-five. Kevin Hayes had twenty-five goals in 2017 and 2018 you know last season um so that's not nothing to scratch at on like a bad rangers team um but yeah and 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 as you mentioned nyquist has also been inconsistent in his career too i i feel like they're more equal than you're giving them credit for um however having said all that i do agree with you i would rather nyquist than kevin Hayes. yeah um Let's talk about the other Ranger player that it, it definitely makes sense for the Rangers to trade. Um, it's uh, Matt Zuccarello. Uh, he is, speaking of underrated, he's one of the most, I feel like he's one of the most underrated guy because it seems like he gets all these, like he gets, he's like good for about like 30 or 40 assists every season. Um, and he hardly gets injured, although he was injured early on in the season, but like he doesn't miss too many games. He's He's pretty reliable in that sense. Um, yeah, I think he's probably the most underrated player that we're talking about today. Yeah, for sure. Um, although I guess all these players we're talking about are pretty underrated. Yeah, um, but him especially. Yeah, but him especially, I feel like. Um, he's not at, like, I feel like, you know, like, when you ask anyone who's the most underrated player, it's, it's probably Barkov or um, Backstrom. And I feel like that's that's such a common answer that they they're no longer underrated so i feel like zuccarello's the new under like he's actually really underrated anyways uh zuccarello is 31 years old so he's the oldest one of the guys we're going to talk about um he is uh but as we mentioned he's one of the most consistent guys he's he's usually good for about 50 points um every year but uh he has uh he was injured at the start of the season uh but he's kind of picked it up at this uh couple of games because he had a three assists um in his last game and then he had two goals um against columbus uh, two game two days before so he's kind of picked it up now um but he has seven goals and 14 assists or that's 21 points in 33 games um so he, as I mentioned, he hasn't, that's not great on paper, but um, he's, he's had, like, he's picked up about six points in the last three games. So, um, so he's, he's really been uh, doing well. I think a team that could use him would be like teams that want a veteran presence like him, uh, who need like a depth player. Um, so I, I feel like the Rangers, it, it, and, it, and given his age, I feel like it makes sense uh, to trade him because when Philip Heedle and 
Leas Anderson and Keandre Miller and all those guys are actually, you know, pro NHL players, um, then, uh, you know, like Zuccarello is going to be like 36 years old or whatever. So um, it does make sense to to trade him. Um, he's, uh, he's on a 4.5 million cap hit. So that's not that bad um, money-wise. Um, yeah, I think like the same kind of teams that we were talking about. Um, I could see uh, other teams that we haven't really mentioned yet. Uh, Minnesota, that would be an interesting move there. Um, maybe Dallas uh, as well. I could, yeah. I don't know, um, one of those teams. Um, yeah, it would be kind of... Uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's, he seems like now that I think about it, like I can't even see him in another jersey because it, like, when I think of him, I think of him as a ranger. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, so what? Yeah, what? What? Just speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, over the past five games or so, he's been a point per game player. So yep. Um, the fact that. He had 18 points in his first 32 games. Don't let that distract you. He's a point-per-game player over his last five games. Um, and, yeah, he has uh, six points in the last five games. Yeah, and he's he's scored a couple of goals as well. Um, in fact, a good chunk of his goals this season have come over the past four or five games. Um, in uh, his first 32 games, he had 58 shots on goal, so his shooting percentage this year is actually better than last year when he got 16 goals um eight of the points that uh, of his uh, first 21 points that he scored has uh, come with the extra man so uh that's something we're used to seeing because we're talking about a guy that's posted double digit point totals on the power play in four of the past five years and if you look at his point totals since 2013 2014 i'm just gonna run them by you right now 59, 49, 61, 59, 53. For five straight years, he's generated at least 150 shots. Usually gonna get you 50, usually gonna get you 15 to 19 goals a season. Um, his career high was 26 goals. That was in 2015, 2016. So a lot of you may think I'm crazy to suggest that Kevin Hayes has more trade value than Matt Zuccarello. And I only say that the Rangers simply cannot afford to trade Matt Zuccarello, and there are two reasons. December 14th, article from TSN illustrating with an expiring contract and free agency on the way that he was well aware of the possibility that uh, the rebuilding Rangers might move him at the deadline. He cleared things up by saying he loves New York, he wants to stay in New York, and things were blown out of proportion by the pundits. He just said that, I know it's possible because every team is thinking when they're sucking you know what do we got to do what changes do we have right. to make and he was basically saying if i get dealt i can't control it but if i have my way i'll stay in the big apple right. and i believe him when he says that the real reason why he'll be in the rangers experiment for the long haul is his leadership is so invaluable the two-way leadership especially that they cannot trade him the Rangers have struggled lately. They had dropped six to seven following a loss to Columbus on Sunday. Head coach David Quinn ripped into his team 
absolutely questioning their work ethic. Here's some of what he said. You're going to lose hockey games, but you better want to battle somebody. Three games where we feel good about our effort and compete, and then we come out here and do that. It's just a freaking joke. Our lack of determination in one-on-one, fishing for pucks, you do that in this league, that is what happens. We have zero chance if we, want, if we got 20 guys in uniform not wanting to compete for pucks and get into people and have a bit of snarl to your game. So that's what he said. So if you trade Zuccarello, do you have any go-to guys for leadership if this guy leaves? Would you trust a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk, who's been scratched by David Quinn before, to provide that leadership? Maybe someone like Brian McDonough. Oh, wait, they already traded him at last year's deadline. <laughs> They cannot afford to trade Matt Zuccarello. I don't even ponder this idea if they don't even think of getting leadership in, in return. They cannot afford to trade this guy. I don't know. I I I disagree with you here. I I understand what you're saying that he's definitely a leadership guy, but at the same time, this is a rebuilding team. They're not going to compete in the lot. Like they're not going to compete in the short term. Um, and of course, like his leadership skills is invaluable, but um, I, 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 f I feel like he's not going to be a part of their future um, in the long term. So I think if you can, uh, and I feel like you, he can get more return than Kevin Hayes for all the reasons why you, you don't, because uh, of his inconsistencies there, as you mentioned. Uh, for Kevin Hayes. If you go too young too soon, I don't think anything good comes out right. of that. If anything, it means more years of losing and you don't get to win as quickly. Yeah, but I, I think it's, it, it's like, but like it depends on the return they get back. It's like, yeah. And, if they get serious right. leadership in return, I, I'm, I'm less disappointed that they trade Zuccarello, but yep. they have to get leadership if they're, if, they need to get a key piece that provides leadership if they trade this guy. I'm just thinking from like like the business side of things. Like if you're like I'm thinking just like maybe like two years from now, uh, when the Rangers are you know when all like Kraftsoft's in, Heidel's yeah. in, uh, maybe uh, you have Keandre Miller in, um, Leah Anderson in. Like you have all those guys, you know, this upcoming Ranger, like Rangers pick, um, in 2019, like, like who's going to be the leaders there. I think I would rather have a guy like, um, Kevin Shattenkirk, um, instead of Zuccarello, um, just purely based on age. Cause uh, Shattenkirk's like 29 years old and he's like on there for a, a bit more like he's in a he's there for a couple more years so um True, but he's been scratched by the new coach right. before that does not look but good. he is but, like is but that, and he's your leader he was scratched in october uh kevin shattenkirk also admitted that he he uh understood why he was being scratched and okay. kevin shattenkirk is back on pp1 um okay. so He's on the power play, uh, and he's he's been uh, decent lately. So, uh, so yeah, I don't. I'm just, I, I'm just nervous putting that responsibility on Shattenkirk, and given the fact this team relies so heavily on King Eric already, I'm not yeah. putting more leadership on him. True, but like, there's also guys like we're forgetting about Chris Kreider, Zabenjad. Um, yeah. There's uh, I don't know, um, there's a couple of other players that I'm blanking out on right now, but. 
Um, you know, it's not like it's only Zuccarello is their only old guy. Um, so who's been in the league for a long time. Um, ideally, what makes the most sense for the Rangers, if they want to be in full rebuild mode, is they trade Hank. But that's not going to happen because Hank exactly. doesn't want to leave. So um, if Zook doesn't want to leave, that makes matters even worse because then you're like, you know, then you can't even really rebuild, I feel like. Um, yeah. So um, I do understand what you're saying, but I, th I, I, I respectfully disagree with what you're saying. <laughs> I appreciate the good debate. That's fine. Yeah. But I, I think we're under the consensus that they need to get leadership in return if they trade Zuccarello. Yeah, for sure. I think we agree on that. Yeah, we agree on that. Um, I, I obviously... I, I, also, I would also say maybe they sign him to a two-year deal and then maybe trade him in a year or so. Yeah, I could see that happening. developed a bit more, I could see that happening. Yeah, I could see that happening, um, for sure. But uh, the, the risk is you don't know where his value is at. So. Yeah, yeah. I should let I should uh, let my dad know that we're talking about his team. Um, yeah, every time I I talk to him uh, or he mentions, he's like, "Did you talk about the Rangers in your podcast?" It's like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. Um, well, we got a lot of Ranger content. We probably got half an hour. I know, I know. <laughs> we we hardly ever talk about the Rangers, but um, uh, anyways, uh, let's talk about Wayne Simmons. <clears throat> Uh, he hasn't been as good as the other guys, although he did have two goals in his last game. Um, but it's Wayne Simmons. Uh, he has 46 in 46 games, um, 15 goals and six assists. For, that's 21 points. Um, he's 30 years old, and his cap hit is 3.975 million. Um, yeah, I mean, like his his point total hasn't been great this year. But, like, you know, if you look at the Philadelphia, like, every Flyers stats, none of the players are doing really well either. So, uh, there's that. Uh, Wayne Simmons is one of those um, kind of like the last of his generation type players where he's, like, he can hit, he can shoot, he can score, um, and do all that stuff. Although, power forwards tend to kind of trail off at the end. So, I'm not necessarily... And, and Milan Lucic, yeah. Um, so, so it's tough to to say that like he like I feel like he's past his prime, even though he's only thirty years old. Um, but he that having said that, he still is capable. Um, the Flyers do have Konechny and Patrick and um, all those guys um, in forward, so I feel like they could afford to uh, trade Simmons. Um, just so that they can allow allow those guys to flourish, um, but because um, I remember like last year, like Wayne Simmons was pushed out because um, of like the power play or something, um, and uh, and then uh, like and Nolan Patrick was in like started to play better. Uh, because uh, Wayne Simmons got less skating time or something like that. So um, maybe there's something to that. I don't know. I'm just speculating here. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, this is one of those things where like, I I know he was on the Kings early on in his career, but it's Wayne Simmons just 
feels like a flyer. You know, it's, it's going to be it's if they do trade him, it's going to be weird seeing him on another team um, if that happens. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, the Broad Street bully identity that they still have. Yeah. And uh, it seems there's more skill and maybe the Flyers fans are sick and tired of all the skill because it's gotten them to this point of mediocrity. But um, just taking a look at uh, what he's been able to do this year in the past, like you said, a guy can put up 30 goals and 60 points, um, more than 220 shots on goal the two seasons before last year, 110 shots in 46 games this year, um, 176 last year, which was modest. And I was also watching some old NHL chirping videos, and I came across a clip of P.K. Subban who said, you don't want to fight Wayne Simmons. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. So if you want to get a guy that can score the odd goal and invoke fear, Wayne Simmons could fit the bill. I yeah. think he could be a short-term asset Vegas might get a hold of. Imagine imagine a guy like Ryan Reeves. Oh, yeah. Now imagine a guy like Wayne Simmons on a different line. How about like, this? Vegas becomes awfully tough to play against with that, with that goal-scoring grit there. How about this? I know he's uh, how about, I know he's uh, he's an, along the same lines as Wayne Simmons because he's a bit past his prime. But how about you put Wayne Simmons on Edmonton, and then you have to deal with Milan Lucic and Wayne Simmons at the same time? Uh, yeah, that, that would be an interesting experiment. Too. Yeah. Uh, another interesting experiment is if he went to Boston. Boston, yeah, that would be. I don't think it would ever happen. A lot of Bruins fans uh, have been wanting him for a while now, so um, he does fit that bill too. Um, yeah, he would be, he would be cool too. Especially if you're going up against Toronto in the first round, which you probably will. Yeah. I think toughness is going to be huge, and a guy like Simmons is is someone actually. Funny enough, I was looking on TSN uh, over the past couple of weeks, and they were throwing out this idea, hey, maybe the Leafs should go after Wayne Simmons. So right. What's worse for the Bruins is if they don't get Wayne Simmons and Toronto does. But True. Uh, I, I don't know what uh, Toronto will be willing to do on the training front to, to get that uh, to happen. May, I could see Minnesota maybe making a pitch for him, maybe Colorado yeah. chimes in to provide more grit. It all depends on where they are in the standings, though. Um, I don't think you should give up the sun and the moon to get him, but... I think uh, Wayne Simmons has got his price. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, th- I don't think he stays with the Flyers just because of um, the fact that he just doesn't fit in with the offense. And I'll explain now when you're done making your picks as to where he could go. But I'll, I'll explain in a bit. There's a reason why he could be on his way up. Yeah, it's – well, no, no, you go first. I, I, I wasn't really going to say anything. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so I was looking back at my notes from September. Here's some of what I wrote down. The emergence of Sean Couturier and the re-emergence of Claude Drew made for opponent Flyers offense last year. Konechny took a few steps forward in the second half. I think he can put up at least 50 points this year if he gets top six ice time. The interesting storyline to look out for is the future of Wayne Simmons. With the acquisition of JBR, one would think the Flyers were doing this to prep themselves for a Stanley Cup charge. The worry remains about team defense and goaltending, however. Surprise, surprise, that's still a worry. And they will not be a cup threat unless they address that at some point down the line, which they haven't. In the past, Simmons was an effective scorer, but used to be in the box. Prior to last year, he was a 30-goal scorer with over 100 penalty minutes. In 2017-18, his shot total dipped from 224 to 176, and he only got 24 goals. On the plus side, he didn't reach 60 penalty minutes, so he was more disciplined. He still got double-digit goal totals with the extra man for a fifth straight year. He could bring the Flyers a good hole if they traded him elsewhere. 
Meanwhile, JVR scored one more goal on even strength last year than Simmons did for all of 2017-18. He did that with over 200 shots on goal, despite his ice time dropping in Toronto. In the long term, you cannot afford Simmons and JVR on the same team from a cap standpoint, especially if Couturier continues to elevate his game to new heights and Profarov does the same on the back end. It's not that Wayne Simmons is bad. It's more that Van Riemsdyk is better, and he has the better odds of staying this good over a longer stretch. Yeah. And that is why I think Simmons gets traded. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a good paragraph that you, were, you read there. Um, yeah, the, I was just looking here at the Flyers' stats. Uh, currently, Wayne Simmons is doing better than James Van Riemsdyk, or they have the same amount of points, but... Wayne Simmons. To be fair, JVR got hurt and missed. I know. I was about to. I was about to mention that. Uh, but like Wayne Simmons has played sixteen more games, um, even though yeah. they both had the same amount of points. So they both had twenty more points. JVR got a hat trick this past week, so it looks like he's starting to figure True. things out finally. Um, and I thought Sean Couturier had been struggling, but it looks like he's figured things out too. So, um, but everyone on that team seems to be like struggling like their their yeah. highest point scorer is Claude Giroux who only has 50 points in 46 games which isn't terrible of course but like I don't know I think we're we're expecting it wasn't more wasn't as dominant as the 100 point campaign yeah. he posted last year and, and and to be perfectly honest even if the Flyers were doing well I still don't think Wayne Simmons has a role in this team beyond this year yeah it doesn't matter how good they were doing I think yeah. he was on the outside looking at higher what um yeah, in terms of like teams that he could go to, uh, I I kind of like the Edmonton pick. Um, I don't know if they go for it though. Um, I mean, if if any GM is g- willing to take a risk for a a guy like Wayne Simmons, uh, I I think it would be Peter Shirelli. Um, so it does seem What's like interesting he's interesting though about the Oilers thing is um, apparently they said according to TSN's Ryan Rashad they were looking for help on the forward position and they uh, apparently would be thinking of putting out uh, in play a younger forward um, a veteran forward and a goaltender and guess what the Flyers need more than anything goaltending right exactly so I don't know (laughs) it would be kind of like risky for but I feel like that would be a trade that Edmonton would lose but they're used to bad trades by now (laughs) Yeah. Um, Bad signings, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I could to- I could totally see him in Edmonton. Um, also, um, another team to just throw out there is, despite their bad start uh, to the year, uh, Anaheim would be kind of interesting. Um, yeah. They do need some wingers. Uh, they're still like two points out, even though they've lost twelve in a row. Um, so uh, that could be interesting there. Um, really quickly, because we're actually at an hour now. Um, so didn't the, even get the big fish yet. No, I know, right? We're we're just getting there. So the the person we're talking about are Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, uh, they're both on their final year of their contract. They're both on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, the big news this week was that Bobrovsky left. Um, was suspended by the team um, and didn't play uh, and it was unclear why um, apparently he said that he like like it was apparently he broke team rule um, it's still a little unclear but it seems like uh, he got benched because he played badly but it doesn't really check out 
Um, so I don't know. It feels like this is one of those things where Tortorello is just like sick of sick of Bobrovsky and is something like that. Having said all that, I feel like um, it doesn't make any sense for Columbus to trade either Panarin or Bobrovsky because as because first off, Blue Jackets are in the playoffs. Um, and if you trade either Panarin or Bobrovsky, you're instantly um, out of the playoffs because there's no way you can recover from a trade like that because Panarin and uh, Bobrovsky are the only re- two reasons why you're even in the tr- in the yeah. playoffs to begin with. Of yeah. course, you have Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Cam Atkinson. Of course, those guys are really good. That's not to knock them at all, but Panarin is like an elite player. Uh, he has 52 points in 42, 44 games. Um, he he just makes it happen. He is Columbus yeah. and all that stuff. Uh, Even Bob, if you're a playoff team without those two guys, you're yeah. probably not going very far and, to get there. And Bobrovsky is like, has been probably the most consistent goaltender in a long while. I know he's struggling right now, but... You know he's he's usually like good for like a Vezina level guy um, for the past couple of years. So um, yeah, I I I do I having said all that, um, I feel like one of these players is going to leave Columbus, and if I had to guess, I think it's going to be Panarin. Um, and I think like this whole Bobrovsky situation is kind of overblown. Um, and I think he'll eventually sign uh, just because I, I don't know if Columbus has any goalies in the future that are ready to take over just now. So I feel like Columbus is going to try to do what they can to uh, uh, get him to sign. Uh, but for Panarin, he's he's been saying all along, or his agent has said that he wants to move to a bigger city um, and he enjoys those uh, that uh, situation more. So... Um, I feel like, um, having said all that, I don't think it makes any sense to trade Panarin unless you can like get some a, a team to tr- trade the farm for, uh, for him because he's like too good to be a trade bait kind of guy. Yeah, I don't think they really have as much say as to what happens with Artemi Panarin because yeah, uh, he's an interesting case. I think they have a better chance at keeping Bobrovsky. Yep. Uh, I don't buy the fact that Panarin would go to somewhere like Chicago or the Rangers because neither team is really in the position to do much of anything. Uh, I think once again, I don't know if it's a scene, but maybe Vegas. Yeah. Like, why not Vegas? Maybe. Like, Vegas has got a party lifestyle. I think Panarin would like it in Vegas. So. That would be interesting, yeah. Although I, I, saw, I, I was hearing reports that Panarin wants to be by a body of water. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Um, they got casinos. Yeah. I don't think they have bodies of water in Vegas. But well, they yeah. Casinos. And then there was also reports that he wants to go to the Rangers. But how about, uh, you know, the Boston, we have a, a second line right wing for you, uh, or that left wing for you. Yeah. Yeah. And Boston's literally right by the uh, the Atlantic Ocean. So if you want you know bodies of water. Interesting fit as well? Who? Bobrovsky to Edmonton. Ooh, that'd be interesting. They um, need goaltending. I think Cam Talbot could help Columbus. Yeah. And the Oilers have some prospects that maybe Columbus might like. Yeah. Uh, maybe Bully Arby. 
So Maybe. Have, <laughs> I don't know. That would be weird. Yeah, like the like the Columbus finally ends after like drafting another player over Puliyarvi. That'd be kind of funny that Columbus ends up with Puliyarvi yeah. anyways. It's not the need that Edmonton's looking for. Like I said, they need forward help. Yeah. But. But Koskinen hasn't like, been bad, though. Your goaltending's up to snuff right now, even if they get a forward. Koskinen, I mean, I know Koskinen hasn't been as good, but he, he hasn't, like, he's been serviceable, I guess. But, yeah, I, I know what you mean. That could be interesting. Um, Actually, so that takes me to the next point. So I, so we did talk about teams that could add centers and wingers because those are mostly who we've been de- dealing with. Yep. Just really quickly on teams that could add defensemen and teams that could add goalies. Uh, there isn't really a big defenseman that is out there at the moment, other than Dougie Hamilton. Um, I although think Cody Stacey is is not a big name defenseman. Jake Muzzin. But I think he's he's someone that people could be kicking tires on. Yeah, uh, Jake Muzzin is another one. Um, yeah, I'm seeing here too. Uh, there was also like Pareko maybe, but I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, teams that could add defensemen here. Toronto is the biggest one because that's yeah. their biggest. Uh, things so I could see like that's their only need really uh, is defensemen so um, even just like a like a stay-at-home defenseman that's that would be fine um, Edmonton um, I mean Edmonton needs everything basically so I added Edmonton there Colorado uh, nothing wrong with uh, Tyson Berry but um, or uh, Sam Gerard but I feel like they could use maybe another defenseman um, Vancouver, um, if they want to be serious this year, I know that they probably have another year left uh, to be serious contenders. But if they want to be serious right now, Van- it, it could be interesting if Vancouver acquires like a defenseman. Um, but speaking of defensemen, there's there's this guy they're trying to resign and maybe he goes on the open market if he doesn't get resigned. Oh, Edler. Alex Edler. Oh, that could, could be, be interesting. Yeah. Edler's, yeah, Edler's. Other would be interesting, actually, now that I think about it. Um, Winnipeg, um, I know we don't know the injury health of uh, Dustin Bufflin, but Winnipeg could be kind of interesting cause, because of that. Like, it depends on how serious Bufflin is injured. Um, and if he's out for long, then I think Winnipeg could uh, be in need of a defenseman. Um, and Montreal is another one, um, just because they, you know, <laughs> they lost out on a, uh, that that would be another one where I feel like yeah. if they want to make a be serious in the Atlantic division and catch up to Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, uh, that would be the move to make. Because um, they finally yeah, have forwards. They, uh, just, uh, just assigned Carl Olsner to the AHL again. Yeah, and like so Montreal finally has forwards. Carey Price seems to be back to his uh, regular self, so... All they really need now is just defensemen. Shea Weber isn't bad, obviously, but um, I think they could use a defenseman. As for goalies, you did mention Edmonton. I don't have them on my list, but Edmonton's one. Uh, Philadelphia, because they're on their sixth uh, goalie um, and their future. Yeah, they're they're on their seventh because McKenna started. Oh, that's right, McKenna. So uh, so they could they just need a stopgap because um, I don't like as. As well as Carter Hart, Carter Hart's been decent lately, but I still feel like it doesn't make sense. I feel like it makes sense just to wait a year for him, so I would just get another goalie for him. Um, 
whatever, break records and have an eighth goalie starting for you. Um, get Scott Foster in there. Yeah, get get Scott Foster. Yeah, exactly. Get anyone. Get me. I I, I would be a goalie there. Yeah. Yeah, you get get Steve to be a goalie uh, in in Philly. Uh, <laughs> Carolina, um, if they're going to be serious in their playoffs, you know Sebastian Ajo is one of the most. Speaking of underrated, he's probably the most underrated superstar we have in this league right now. Um, yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, they do have some defense, and uh, along with Taro, Tavo Teravainen, as I mentioned, with Sebastian Ajo. So goalies, could be, I feel like they need to strengthen that. Um, Calgary would be interesting. I know David Riddick's been good but um, I feel like they could solidify it. it. I would only do it if they could get Bob Rofsky, um, I think. Um, yeah, uh, maybe Cam Talbot, although that would be kind of interesting if Cam- <laughs> Edmonton and Calgary make a trade and Calgary gets Cam Talbot. Um, I don't think uh, Bobrovsky and Philly would work because uh, I read uh, in, uh, in a 2014 article that uh, then Flyers owner Ed Snyder... Uh, the late Ed Snyder, of course, unfortunately no longer with us, uh, said that uh, it didn't sound like Bobrovsky was too keen on signing with them, and that's why they traded him. So. Oh, yeah. I for, Well, I forgot about Philly is going – yeah, he used to be on Philly. Um, but he yeah, wasn't as good at – He wasn't as good at, in Philly as he was in Columbus, obviously. So. Yeah, well, he didn't really block I, him until he went I, back. I think, I think Philly would be okay if they wanted him. Um <laughs> But you're, you might you might have a point that Bob Rowski probably doesn't want to be it there. It depends and, on if things have changed in five years. And then here's the most interesting team I have here. Um, I feel like I mention them all the time because I guess I mention them on all of them. Uh, Colorado. Um, Simon Varlamov has kind of like, I don't know. Colorado has been one of the worst teams in the last, um, since like December. I saw this statistic that they're like, since December first, the Colorado has the worst record um, of all thirty-one teams, including Anaheim or something like that. So, um, and Sounds I think a lot like a storyline that we saw last year. Oh yeah, Ottawa. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a good point. So like I could t- like I know McKinnon and Rantanen um, and Landis Gog are all amazing, um, but like you know. They need, like, but it doesn't seem like, and they did get, uh, what's his face, Grubauer this, uh, this offseason. He hasn't seemed to pan out. Varlamoth is, like, very inconsistent. So if they want to be serious, I feel like their goaltending situation needs to be figured out. Um, I don't know how, but, um, so those are my four teams there. Um, I guess we should do the rest of this really quickly here. (laughs) Sorry about that. Sorry. You're gonna. It was gonna be a big main topic. We gave you. We did know. Content. You're welcome. It's true. It's true. We did know. Uh, so we're now we're going to top three, bottom three. You you're going first with your top three. All right. Well, the Lightning are still kicking butts and taking names, so they're still number one this week. Uh, only team with single digit regulation losses. They have nine, uh, ten points ahead of Calgary for first overall in the NHL. Almost thirty percent with the extra man. Easy choice at the top for me. Second best team, I'm sticking with Vegas. They're a top 10 team again, getting closer and closer to the top five. Uh, I don't know if you uh, were watching uh, the Jets-Knights game from uh, Tuesday. 
Uh, Vegas got 26 shots in a period against Winnipeg's backup, and they averaged the fourth most shots per game as well. So uh, I'd say they'd be a playoff team again. They're certainly playing like one right now. They're certainly proving me right. So uh, go Vegas. They're uh, number two. And third best, I'm uh, omitting the Flames, and I'm going with uh, Carolina, who are starting to win hockey games again. Sebastian Ajo, you mentioned him, quietly riding a hot streak again. They're going to be an intriguing team to watch at the deadline. Uh, their owner, Tom Dundon, one of the guys that doesn't seem like he's afraid to make a big move, and they're making strides now. So I'm going to put them on this list, but that Flames top line is still very tempting. It continues to kick butts. They're still on the rise, and uh, Calgary's number two in the league, so they're yeah. my honorable mention. It's a good one. Um, yeah, so my number one is the uh, is the Lightning. Um, I don't know. What, what else is there to say at this point? It, it's like they've only lost nine games, and it's January. So um, that's, that's absurd to me. Uh, I guess they've only lost 11 games if you count overtime losses. But um, so it's, it's kind of um, it's just absurd to me. They're far and away the best team in the Atlantic, and the Atlantic has some pretty good teams. So um, they're like, I feel like we should make like an exception to the rule where like we can't, we can't say Tampa because they're already the, we already know that they're the best team. Um, yeah, they're on fire. Uh, my second team is going to be the Sharks. Uh, they've uh, finally picked it up. Eric Carlson particularly has uh, managed to do well. Uh, they've uh, they've won seven straight. Um, so and they're right on the Flames' heels right now. Um, I was I'm I'm going to be the first to admit that I was wrong with Martin Jones. Um, remember I was critical of Martin Jones there there have been some moments where he hasn't looked great but um, he's been uh, he's been decent this uh, lately um, and uh, also their their forward groups been f- phenomenal especially Thomas hurdle he had a hat trick last night um, and I think he's on like a six game point streak or something like that um, yeah. so um, so they're 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 a hot team there Um and then my third team is the Winnipeg Jets. Um, they are also, I mean, obviously I can't talk about their forwards enough, um, but like, you know, you're a good team when like you're still winning and Patrick Line and Connor Hellebuck aren't, you're like, are still like, are struggling. Like you're still winning games even when those two guys are, are not, at their peak yet so yeah, they're, they're not your best players basically. right right and and like they were they're not their, they're not their best right they're not their best i'm not necessarily sure what's going on with them um but at the same time laurent brassois has been amazing this year he's been the best backup goalie um so far this year with yeah, uh no offense uh, to yarrow Kalak. is uh, to play in front of a good defense yeah i guess so um yeah, he's ten and one with a nine forty three save percentage, which is that absurd. He's been absolutely spectacular yeah. too. Uh, Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor have all picked it up too. So, um, but yeah, it's it's just like I can't like I I I still have faith in Patrick Line and I still have faith in Hellebuck. I kind of have to because I have them in my in my leagues, <laughs> but um, yeah. 
but like I, I just like I can't imagine. So I'm only putting them on third for now. But like, I'm just like waiting for both of those guys to really get into second gear and, and that we know what they're capable of, and and then I'll put them in second or first, uh, depending on how the Lightning are doing. Um, other teams you did mention Vegas. Um, I had them as uh, um, as an honorable mention. The Flames as well was another team that you I you you mentioned but I didn't I was thinking of putting them on but I figured the the sharks were the hotter team um also want to shout out Jordan Bimnington of the St. Louis Blues who's uh kind of like gotten the blues together um and they may take a shot at the playoffs if uh if Jordan Bimnington keeps it this way we'll We'll probably yeah, talk well, about Adrian him next season. Yeah, did it with Ottawa, so I guess he could do it with St. Louis. You never know. Yeah, um, and I also will, will mention the Blue Jackets. Um, I know we talked about them just now, um, but they're at the top of their Metro division. They're one of the hottest teams. They've won four straight, um, and uh, it seems like everyone is uh, is playing well. Um, even like even throughout this whole like controversy of what's going on with Bobrovsky. So, um, so that, that's good. Um, my bottom three here are, um, the Blackhawks. Um, it's kind of funny cause we were talking about, um, last week about how good Colin Delia has been, but it seems like he, that's it, like he, and we also talked about how like, you know, we kind of said like, well, he is on the Blackhawks and they're not going to be good this year still. Um, but, um, I mean, Delia does have a 932 save percentage still, but, um, he's lost, they've lost a couple Cam Ward had yeah, like, lost four straight actually. yeah, uh, the Cam Ward lost, uh, like had like seven, gave up seven goals. Yeah, um, they, they had like five that. goals in Blackwood and they still lost. Yeah. yeah I, I will say though, that um good good on patrick kane because uh, he has 64 points in 47 games and he's on a bad team so he's uh, other than uh no offense to to bring cat and taze but um patrick kane is basically like carrying the blackhawks at the moment um it seems like he's their only good player um, Word of advice to the Hawks: If you don't get Jack Hughes, trade Patrick Kane. Why would you do that? You would never trade. He's going to give you sky high value. He's playing some of the best hockey of his life on a crappy ass team. Right, but you're like he's also making ten million dollars, and how are you going to explain that to the fans? We have Jonathan Taves. Yeah, you have Jack Hughes. <laughs> Yeah. If they get to Jack Hughes, then keep Patrick Kane. But if they don't, oh, I see what you mean. It all depends on what happens if they win the lottery. So. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's a good point. Uh, also, my second team, uh, the Panthers. We don't, we aren't really talking about them a lot, but they've lost seven straight. They've kind of, because uh, I guess the Ducks uh, streak has kind of overshadowed them and. Um, we didn't really expect much. I mean, we did it. I, I thought they would be a potential wild card team, but um, something's clearly off. Roberto Luongo has regressed. He's below 900, um, and so has James Reimer. So they're getting no help goalie-wise. Yeah, they um, had like 
50 plus shots yeah. on Miami and they still lost five to one. Um, Huberdeau has 47 points in 45 games. I, I think he even publicly said that he's frustrated and losing. Um, but oh, like he pulled out uh, the Jack Eichel, I'm sick of losing. Concurrently. Yeah, yeah, uh, something like that. And um, the people thought that meant that he was requesting a trade, but then oh, he, yeah, he clarified yeah. that he, no, he. He's just, uh, he's, he's tired of losing. You're sick of losing. Yeah. Who doesn't like losing? Right, I know. Like, I mean, that's what happened to Ryan O'Reilly, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then um, and then my last team, I have to say it because they have, you know, this is historically bad now, um, is the Anaheim Ducks. They're my worst team. They've lost 12 straight. I've said this all along. Uh, I thought that the return of Raquel and Cam Fowler would help them out. Um, and when they would be fully healthy, they're finally fully healthy, minus like Patrick Eves, but and Corey Perry. But um, so I thought like getting Raquel, who's who's been their pretty good player, or like been their most consistent player, other than I guess Getzlaff. Um, so I thought that would help them. But um, he's been he's been good in the, his return. Cam Fowler's been putting up some stuff in peripherals or I'm talking fantasy hockey now but um yeah. but like you know in the past it seemed like John Gibson was able to carry the team and now it just seems like he's given up on that even so um all hope is lost I I want I we're gonna talk about them more next week probably but um I feel like they're they're just uh <laughs> they're not in a good they're not in good shape even though they're two points out of the playoffs right now, which is which is absurd to me, but um, I have to put them in the worst team. Yeah, welcome to the Wild Wild West, kid. Yeah. Uh, so my bottom three, the Red Wings not doing as bad as they did at the start of the season. They're slumping a little bit. They're on my list. They're the third worst team. Uh, the on-camera interaction on the ass bench between uh, Nathan McKinnon and head coach uh, Jared Bednar oh, yep. put Colorado as my second worst team. How in the hell can Gabriel Landeskog get 12 shots, the other team gets four goals on oh, yeah. 15 shots, and the other team wins? Explain that to me. I don't know. I I, I, I have nothing. Absolutely nothing. Colorado's second-worst team. Uh, and that leaves us with our worst team. And to summarize, Ducks, Ducks, <laughs> Ducks. Yeah. Goof. 12 straight L's taken, no contest there. Yeah. And they've even lost to, like, the Detroit. They haven't even lost yeah, to, like, lost good to teams. They, teams. they lost to yeah, Detroit. They lost to, they've lost to the Senators. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, yeah, yeah, the Sens snapped their uh, cursed skit against them, yeah. Yeah, so I guess maybe that's it. Like, the Senators, yeah. like, gave the curse on to the Ducks. Yeah, they and brought then, even more clouds of misery. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, so yeah, um, I, I also had the Colorado Avalanche mentioned, but uh, that was good on you to mention that. I, I, my honorable mention would have been the Flyers, but the yeah. Ducks are too good at losing. I couldn't put the Flyers on. I was also going to say the Kings, but it seems like they're, they're kind of like, they're still inconsistent, but they're, they're better. Yeah, they're less bad. Yeah, they're, they're not less... as bad as they were at the start of the year. It's true. Um, okay, rapid fire here. Let's do these quick here. Uh, Nick Schmaltz, he's out for the season. Um, he, uh, this was kind of a shame because he had been playing pretty well for the uh, Coyotes. Um, but um, yeah, he's out for the year. 
uh, they're kind of getting like the 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 Ducks um, with their injuries and and the Bruins for some time. Even though I guess the Bruins and the the Ducks have mostly recovered, but um, the Coyotes have Schmaltz, Grabner, Ranta, Dvorak, Demers, um, I guess Marion Hosa all on um, IR at the moment, and they're all out. Yeah, and Ranta is one of those season-ending injuries too. Yeah, so um, so I guess it's like this might be like a season-ender for them because Nick Schmaltz was uh, had been playing well for them uh, since they acquired him through trade, but um, I don't know. I mean, they do have Clayton Keller, and Connor Garland has been pretty – pretty good lately yeah, Garland's been great for um so um so that's good to see i i called that by the way about two years ago um but uh yeah so uh, it seems like th- th- there's that but We'll I, see. I remember Connor Garland because he was a QMJHL top yep. scorer for a couple of years in a row and, right. and the hype around him was pretty good so I thought but I hadn't seen him in the NHL so I'm just thinking has he kind of fallen off the, the face yeah. of the earth what's going on here well, and, what, and then I saw his goal streak I'm just like okay good he's getting his chance exactly I, I think I I think there was one episode we did a, like a preview and we asked like who is going to be a breakout star it's like I think it was like two seasons ago, and I had heard of this guy because I was like looking at the QMJHL standings, and I was like, I saw like this Connor Garland guy, and I saw that he was from Boston, and then I saw that like he's like 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 far and beyond like had more points than anyone else yeah, he in had the QMJHL. Like 120 yeah, and then I was just like, oh shit! Like I guess he's uh, he's been uh, pretty good. Like he, he's. I was yeah, wondering why he was. It was back before he was even on the Coyotes. Uh, that's yeah. when I recognized him. So, um, so good for him. Um, I'm not sure if this will continue, but uh, if, at least he has something to uh, to fall back on. Um, let's see here. Uh, it looks like Braden Holtby is uh, not injured. Like he's not on this injured list, but he didn't play last night. He hasn't played in a while, but. Um, but yeah, I'm well, he, he started the, the game against Columbus on Saturday, and he took a stick. Uh, uh, it, it wasn't when his helmet was off. Like, uh, uh, part, um, I guess Cam Atkinson somehow got his stick uh, through a part of Volpe's mask, and it got him in the eye, and he urgently went to the dressing room, and everyone's saying, oh, boy, this could be bad. And it turns out it wasn't as bad as they first feared, but uh, he hasn't played since. So the good news is it's not as bad as we thought it was, but – um, he hasn't played since Saturday, so hopefully he's back soon. But um, the good news is it could have been worse, by the looks. Okay. Um, Alex Steen is, uh, has a shoulder injury. It says he's day-to-day. Um, yeah. also, Seems to be a recurring theme. Every year he gets hurt. Yep. Uh, also, Tyler Bozak has a concussion. Um, he's day-to-day. Um, but we know how those things usually go, so it's usually... Yeah. Longer than day to day. Uh, speaking of concussions, or a guy who used to have a concussion, but now he has a hand injury. It's uh, Zach Aston Reese. He's out indefinitely. Yeah, um, broken left hand for him. Uh, uh, I heard from Mike Sullivan it's a longer term injury, so we'll uh, see what that means for him. But yep. uh, death player loss to the Penguins maybe impacts what they do at the deadline. We'll see. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, and we already pegged them for uh, teams that could be looking for wingers. Yeah, anyway, they're probably so. going to do something significant anyways. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Penguins, uh, Casey DeSmith uh, gets signed for uh, three years, $1.85 million annual average value. Oh, sorry, $1.25 million annual average value. Um, yeah, he uh, when uh, Murray was injured for a bit this season he had uh he played a bit um he had 12 wins eight uh, he has 12 wins eight losses and four ties or or, or overtime losses i guess i'm looking at this yeah, overtime shootout losses yeah um so um so yeah he although i think like recently he gave up he's given up four goals in his last two appearances um so that's not great but um, yeah, I think it's one of those things that it's good to have, especially with Murray and his injury history, it's good to have a backup locked up like this. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be good for them long term, um, if he can be consistent, but it, it is like this is, it makes sense to, to pay this guy up for a backup role. I think he will be consistent, and this is an excellent move by Rutherford and the Penguins to do it at this price at this time when... Maybe if he finishes uh, the year strong, yeah. he gets a better offer and a, and a better job for another team. Yep. Um, you're looking at Matt Murray, a guy who's probably going to get paid, assuming everything goes well with the team and with his career. He's probably going to get a rich contract. Um, I think this year he's actually due. After this year, he's supposed to get renewed. So um, getting a cheap backup option for three years that can play good hockey when needed to, is absolutely huge for a Penn's team that's already trying to manage the cap. So, full props to Jim Rutherford. This is a very smart move. Yep. Um, yeah, it kind of makes me wonder why they don't have, like, he could have bit like, he could have probably gotten a starter role somewhere. Um, but I guess, whatever. Um, uh, also, a couple of uh, other quick signings. Uh, Leafs signed Trevor Moore to a two-year deal. It is a one-way, so you might see him sent up and down the AHL a couple more times this year because um, he would have to pass through waivers if they send him down starting next year. So keep your eye out for that. And the Sharks also inked Marcus Sorensen to a two-year deal. He's uh, getting paid $1.5 million per year in that new deal. Okay, nice. Uh, Devin Shore, is a, he was on Dallas. Now he's on Anaheim. Um, he was traded for Andrew Cogliano. Cogliano is, uh, he, he has the Ironman streak, but then last season he uh, got suspended one game uh, for something that was kind of controversial back in the day. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and, and now he no longer has it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This is kind of like an, uh, I'm sure this is going to be like a trade that is supposed to spark both teams. I'm not, sh like it's like a depth player for another depth player. Um, Cogliano is a little bit older than Devin Shore, and I feel like Devin Shore has more potential because of that. But, um, but yeah, Cogliano could be a good like veteran presence guy in Dallas. Um, and then Devin Shore is just like a he's someone that like has potential. He he goes he's pretty streaky. He's usually good for like thirty points every year. I was looking at his stats the other day, and he had like. 30, he has consistently 30 points every year um, so um, so I don't know maybe that's something that can spark 
the Ducks, but we'll see. Yeah, it's it's honestly one of those things where if you're not going to trade a key piece, you know, you trade a veteran guy like Cogliano to kind of yeah. wake up the team. Um, I, I don't know why Randy Carlisle still has a gig after an 11-game slide. That's now a 12. Um, but uh, they they end up trading a character guy like Cogliano for someone that probably makes him feel less old. Um, I don't know if that's really going to do anything, but uh, Bob Murray had to do something to wake up this team, and uh, he went with the trade instead of firing the coach. So yeah, we'll I'm see sure, how that plays out. I have a feeling more is to come with that. Um, yeah, if, probably. Yeah. Uh, Rick Nash, uh, we kind of like mentioned this early on in the season, like that Rick Nash was contemplating retirement. Um, and now it's official. Rick Nash officially retired. Um, and in fact, like a couple days later, he uh, dropped the puck in Columbus against the Rangers. So it felt like that was more planned. So maybe he had been thinking about it for a while now. And like you officially yeah. retired when that, ha- issues, when that game happened. Concussion but, issues uh, drove him to retirement. Yep. And uh, he was still getting interest that. from other teams. Yep. Um, but, you know, obviously health comes first. And you're 34. True. You have kids. Yeah. Um, I, I think he made the right call there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, kudos to him because he could have – He, I still feel like he could play a couple more seasons because when I saw him play for Boston, it seemed like he was – he still had some left in the tank, and I, I was excited to see more of him. And like uh, the whole reason why we had we gave up that much, the Bruins gave up that much to get Rick Nash was there was a hope that oh we can we're gonna sign him after this year, um, and then it turns out that he's retiring. So there's not much you can say for that, but I kudos for him to not taking money and just like going on LTIR and and screwing a team over that way. So. Uh, good on him for being uh, a, a man there. Um, yeah. He, uh, yeah, having said that, there's three things I want to say. Uh, first, he is, he'll forever, like, he's he's one of the, speaking of underrated, he's probably one of the more underrated goal scorers of this, uh, like, decade. Um, yeah. There was a time when, like, I mean, like, it's kind of a shame that he spent most of his career in Columbus but like he had 41 goals as a teenager back in 2003 and that was back when like goal scoring wasn't even that high um to begin with so that's like crazy to to me um he's had uh he's had that like it's just unfair to me that Columbus was just starting out on a franchise so it always makes me wonder like what if he had better teammates um in Columbus or if he was just on another team and yeah. like you know another team drafted him um, so I that's kind of like a the big what if for him another big what if for him would be because uh, he had a concussion um, in Columbus of course he had a concussion when he was in Boston too but that was like I feel like that was when he his game really changed because he um, he started to become he stopped like crashing the net as much after his first concussion um, yeah. I believe that was in 2012 was that oh no I, oh no it was like 2005 maybe um, but like he stops he stopped like scoring as much um, and then he uh, and then he kept like I felt like it was because he was like playing scared 
Um, he, t he ended up figuring it out, but his points totals weren't as high and he wasn't scoring as much. Um, but like he was playing really good defense um, and he was just doing all the little things that don't show up on this score sheet. So um, I appreciate that. Um, and then, um, yeah, so it's like there's two very big what ifs with Rick Nash is like, what if Columbus hadn't drafted him or they got a better team around him? Like what would have happened to Rick Nash? Um, and then secondly is his whole concussion history and his injury history. It's, it's kind of like a, it kind of reminds me of an Eric Lindros type where yeah. um, he de he's definitely, he definitely for a time he was one of the best players in the league in the top 10 at least. And then, um, and then injuries took him over um, yeah. and all that stuff. Um, so having said all that, I feel like he's not going to make the Hall of Fame. Um, and I think he's just the Hall of really good, but he is a phenomenal player um, that I, uh, I love watching him on my team, even though it was very short-lived. Well, uh, when you look at his impact on the game of hockey, um, it, it obviously was big in Columbus. He's definitely getting his number retired there. Yep. The first big star this franchise has ever had at a time when the team wasn't really very good and not making the playoffs. I mean, in five of the seasons, which he scored at least 60 points, four of them happened with Columbus. He was, uh, a three time 40 goal scorer and twice that happened with Columbus. And like I said, when this team was struggling to make the playoffs, struggling to excel, struggling to just be good. Uh, you needed someone to fill the seats and make it worth watching the Columbus Blue Jackets. And he did that. He put hockey in Columbus on the map. And that is why someday, it might take a long while, but someday he'll get the call to the hall. Okay, the you see it. The same reason as Daniel Alfredson will, I think. And Eric Lindros. Because he was the first big star. He put the franchise on the map. He made it feel good to be a Columbus fan. So, yeah, I guess that's a good point. I, I don't think it's going to happen right away. I think it might take 10 or 15 years, but I think someday Rick Nash gets it. Yeah, I guess since I did compare him to Eric Lundros, I mean, even he eventually made the Hall of Fame, so I think you're right. He'll probably eventually make the Hall of Fame. He's no fourth ballot Hall of Famer, but yeah. I think he eventually gets it, just based on uh, what he meant to Columbus hockey. Yeah, okay. I, 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 can, I can get with that in terms of his last – like the impact he made on on the NHL, especially in Columbus, yeah, I can I can understand that. Um, he finished his career, by the way, with 800 points in a thousand games. Um, so also good for him to make it to a thousand games because that's an achievement in itself too. Yeah. Um, and he had 400 goals um, in that in that span. So um, so good for him. Um, all right, let's go to Bruins Sens. I believe you're going first. So uh, I'll start with some, I'll start with some congrats to Matt Duchesne. Uh, he's a new dad. Yay! Uh, yeah, new new son was born. So he's great, also uh, 28 uh, years old. Yeah, yeah, and and he's celebrating his birthday today and yep. playing against his former team. That's weird. Um, he was actually asked about. Uh, what it was like uh, to celebrate his birthday um, playing against his new team, and he's just something along the lines of, "Yeah, when you when you just become a new dad and you turn 28, you kind of feel a bit like crap." So <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so that that was, that was pretty interesting. Not the exact quote, but paraphrasing, obviously. Right. Uh, so uh, while uh, 
him and his wife were in Ottawa dealing with that. Uh, the Sens were in Death Valley, so he missed all of the Death Valley road trip. And going into the Death Valley road trip, I'm just thinking, it doesn't matter if the Sens have Matt Duchesne or not. They're probably still going to lose all three games. Right. And, Little did you know. <laughs> yeah, especially when you go up against a team like Anaheim that's, you know, bound to win at some point. So I'm thinking, oh, we're probably going right, to lose. Right. Uh, and then, oh, look at that. Former Senator burns us again, Jakob Silverberg, because, of course... Uh, Anaheim goes up one to nothing. They have 18 shots against in the second. Uh, the Sens do 18 shots against uh, the Ducks. Get 18 shots. Somehow Ottawa is still down one nothing. I'm just like, okay, you know, at least they have a chance. And then Bobby Ryan, former Anaheim Duck, ties it up in the third period. So I'm just like, okay, they might get a point here. They take it overtime. 94 seconds in overtime. Oh, we're probably gonna lose. And oh my God, they actually won. The Sens actually win. Colin White ending the misery at eight games keeps Anaheim's misery rolling along. And uh, that gave me about mm, 24 hours to enjoy that win because I'm thinking, oh, they're probably going to come up empty against the Kings, except they win that game. All of a sudden, the little winning streak uh, going on uh, with the Sens. Uh, Anders Nielsen throughout all this looking pretty good. Uh, first period alone tested 18 times, uh, passes all of them in a scoreless first period against L.A., the Stens get two goals in the later stages of the second period to go up two to one. Uh, they add to their lead less than two minutes into the third. They ice it with an empty netter, 4-1 final. Okay, Stens are getting somewhere. And then, of course, Eric Carlson, the Sharks have to ruin everything and win four to one on Saturday. Um, but four out of a possible six points, I'll happily take. Uh, the good news in that Sharks loss to Zingle, only two goals shy of 20 on the year. He's also... A pending unrestricted free agent, so maybe the Sens want to sign him. And uh, Brady Kachuk led the way with seven shots against San Jose's defense, um, and uh, his entry level will expire in two years, so another guy the Sens will have to pay. Uh, and you also pointed out to me that um, on the Sharks Jumbotron, oh, yeah. um, someone put Welcome to Team Melnick out which uh, I slept through the entire game. I had no idea that was happening. So either the Sharks yeah. are on board or someone's getting fired. Yeah, I but, feel like uh, someone's getting fired or if they yeah. haven't already, but yeah. Yeah, I'm shocked that anyone knows who Eugene Melnick is in California, but eh, anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll get to Melnick that's uh, a, later That's on. a nice shot at the, the, the Sharks there. They, yeah. they helped you out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Sharks are right. They're well, I feel like maybe that was one of those. I mean, you may have a point, though. Maybe that was, like, I think um, I was reading that, like, uh, like on the, like you can uh, text a number and they can put it up on the Jumbotron. Oh, okay. So, okay. so maybe it was, like, a Sens fan. Maybe a Sens fan put it, like, texted the number and then, like, the, whoever was running the Sharks Jumbotron didn't realize what he was, like, yeah. putting I, up there. Out. Yeah, it, look it does not look good to uh, call out a an owner of another team. So, um, no matter how justified it is, <laughs> I'll tell you what does look good: Thomas Shabbat returning to the Sens yep. lineup because uh, when the Sens face the Avalanche tonight, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, you'll be back in uniform, which means he potentially plays the All Star game, and that makes me very, very happy. Uh, the Sens yep. don't stay inside the comforts of home for long as they hit the road once again in Carolina on Friday and in St. Louis uh, on Saturday. We uh, also have a, a couple of off-ice news uh, items to report, and we'll start with uh, oh, yeah, a trade between our two teams, Brett. I uh, forgot to mention this one, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, you guys are getting Paul Carey. We're getting Cody Golubev. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, don't, I wish I could tell you more about Cody Beluev, but I don't know <laughs> anything about him. Um, I do know he played on, uh, he was a former serious defenseman. He played on uh, Team Canada's Olympic team when uh, the NHLers couldn't play, and uh, he represented Team Canada. That much I do know. Yeah, I think, didn't Paul Carey used to be on Montreal? I, he I don't know if he was on Montreal. I know for sure he was on the Rangers, because we oh, got him God. last offseason, I remember. Okay, uh, let me look. Oh, he played for he Thayer played, University. Yeah. He played for Thayer Academy. He went to Boston College. Uh, no, he, he never played for Montreal. Um, he did play for Colorado um, and Washington, um, the Capitals, um, yeah. but no, and the Rangers. I do, I do know he played against Ottawa in the 2017 playoffs when they played the Rangers. Yep. And... Uh, he was a free agent signing for us uh, this past offseason. Right. He bounced up and down between the AHL and the NHL early on. And so, he has been for a while. So. so he went to high school at Thayer Academy, uh, which is okay. a high school in, in Boston. Um, mm -hmm. And he went to BC as well. So I think that may have something to do with it. Um, so so that's kind of cool if, if we can call up a, a local boy, even though yeah. he's, uh, he's not a boy anymore. He's 30 years old. Um, yeah, a, a yeah, slightly older lad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know much about Cody Bellueb though. So, but I don't. I don't imagine we'll see any of these guys either. Yeah. Probably a guy they just put in the minors to help uh, the guys along. He's probably just yeah. Gonna I think this, this felt like more of like an AHL trade than anything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And before that AHL kind of deal, uh, the Sens made one with the Leafs. Yep. Uh, gave Gagne to the Leafs, Morgan Klemchuk going the other way. So that was the first of two minor deals the Sens made. Uh, also taking a look at Bobby Ryan, who's quietly in a six-game point streak. Oh, wow. Hey. Um, already mentioned that Shabbat is coming back, so that's good news there. Uh, and then we have the news that the NCC has extended the deadline for Rendezvous LeBreton to sort out their differences and get their arena plan back on track. Uh, John Ruddy and Eugene Mellick, in case you haven't heard, have launched lawsuits against one another, trying to resolve their differences through mediation, and uh, the deadline was January 19th for the NCC to terminate the uh, Lebre uh, Rendezvous LeBreton's bid for a downtown project. They have extended it to February 28th instead, and um, that might be fodder for all of the demons that have been plaguing uh, the Ottawa Senators franchise for a couple of years now because... Yep. Guess what happens earlier that week? The NHL's trade deadline where Stone and Duchesne might leave. Right, right. So that could be a meaningful week in Sens history with uh, Cody Cece being on RFA after this year, Ryan DeZingle being a UFA as well. Um, over the next four, over those four or five days, a lot could change and a lot could have a meaningful impact on where this franchise goes from here. So. I'm just hoping to see a bit of good news through all of that and uh, hopefully a downtown arena in the not-too-distant future, but uh, we'll uh, have to wait and see. The good news is for Brett's Bruins, uh, they have uh, lots to cheer about. They they had a pretty decent week, I would say. Yeah, somewhat. Um, it, was, it was a good and bad week. Uh, we're going to start off with the good, though. Um, Charlie McAvoy returned, um, so yay. Although, That's an excellent bit of news. Yeah. Right there. Um, 
but the the what what is kind of weird is um it's kind of like like if you told me this this was going to be an issue about like three years ago um i wasn't sure but um like we kind of had to uh we have too many good defensemen out um so we had to uh even though john moore has been playing fantastically um in fact he had two assists in the in his last game against minnesota which we'll get to in a second but uh they had to healthy scratch him um because uh as all these other guys were playing really well so um so that's it's like a it's a it's a thing to keep an eye on is like who's going to be our the odd man out for our defensemen because now we have seven defensemen um and they're all healthy so um, we'll see. John John Moore was uh, in good spirits because he did say that he uh, knew this kind of thing would happen when he signed with them. Um, and uh, I guess Cassidy kind of cleared it up with uh, John Moore, and, and they're they're both fine with his play. It was more just a, a roster type thing. And we'll see. Maybe if like um, a guy like Matt Grizzlick is struggling or Kevin Miller is struggling then they put in John Moore, or if someone gets injured, then you can put in John Moore. So it's not a bad situation to be in, in that perspective. Or you but... can just pull a Boucher and run with 11 forwards and seven defense. Ooh, that would be interesting too, but <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I feel like we should keep well, our, our forwards. That kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, a, it, it's, it's definitely something to look out for, especially with this trade deadline, because Maybe yeah, we and can especially af- considering they signed to what like a five year deal this Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like but it was it was it was a cheap deal though, but like it wasn't that yeah, like Yeah, not as expensive yeah. as Olsner, yeah, exactly. but long term it hurts. Exactly. And it and it's not like he, he's been playing pretty good um still, so it's not like he like he would be a top four defenseman in any on any other team. Um yeah. so it's it's just like 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 I said, it's like a good good problem to have. Um, anyways, uh, speaking of that, uh, he, the Bruins played Minnesota. Um, Tuka Rask had his first shutout of the year. That was the highlight of the of the of the game. Um, I was really excited. He had, I mean, it was only twenty four saves, but um, those, I'll take it at this point. Uh, Tuka Rask is has finally gone to form, and I, I I like what I'm seeing out of him. Um. This, the goal scorers were Dan and Heinen, Brad Marchand, J- Jake DeBrusque, and Patrice Bergeron. As I mentioned before, John Moore had two assists in those games, um, but then he uh, McAvoy returned, I think, uh, a couple of games later. I think in the what next game. What I especially game. liked about that game was that the Bruins started off with a 3 nothing lead in the first. That always helps. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that helps uh, for sure. So, um, so that was... But uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good win there. Um, the next game was against Washington. It was not like a uh, the seven nothing season opener game um, that we saw before, but the Capitals did unfortunately win. Um, Braden Holtby always has our number for whatever reason. Um, he's just too good. Um, and Ovechkin had two goals. Uh, Jacob Verona, it seems like he's playing really well, too. Um, he's finally getting things together. Um, the Bruins also got a goal from Ryan Donato and David Krejci. Um, 
and uh, Nicholas Backstrom also got a goal. Shots in that game in like over 15 minutes of ice time. That's pretty good. Uh, say that again. Donato, I think, had like seven shots in just over 15 yeah. minutes of ice time. That's pretty efficient. And yeah. they had like 17 shots in the first period. So like they did everything right except you know maybe pray that they could get a goal against Holpe. Yeah, the thing is, yeah, for Donato, it hasn't gotten as much ice time as I would like, but. Um, it is good. You're right that in terms of like the amount of ice time that he is getting, it does seem like he's taking advantage of it. So, yeah. um, so there's that. But um, yeah, no, it, it seems like it's just the Washington's just a, a a good team. You know, it's it's tough to they're a tough team to beat. Uh, Yaroslav Falak was in net that game. I feel like a couple of those goals he he could have had, but. Um, it's it's tough to blame them when you know you're playing the, against the defending Stanley Cup champions. So they also that. need to execute on the power play. They had five chances and eleven shots yep. to do that, and they only got one goal out of it. So. Yep. Uh, and then we go to the Bruins uh, Maple Leafs game. This was actually the game that McAvoy returned, um, so that was cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, he did. He only had two hits and two blocks, but. Um, that was and he played for 18 minutes, but that was it was something. Uh, this was like this was this felt like a playoff game. Um, yeah, it, I, yeah, the media in Toronto were hyping it as a statement game. Did you it see was, it that one? Yeah, I did too, because it was one of those things. Because it's like now that Tampa has pretty much taken the division, I don't see either of these teams taking over. Um, yeah. Like I feel like this is gonna be a this will be the first round matchup. Uh, if like let's say uh, Montreal and uh, Buffalo don't figure something out and and knock one of these two teams out, but uh, yeah, no, I did feel that way. Um, it was one of those things where, like as I mentioned before, like the Capitals have the Bruins number, but the Bruins have the the Maple Leafs number. It seems like they always are able to pick apart their defense like no other team. I know Toronto has defensive issues, so it's not like this is unheard of, but. Uh, the Bruins especially seem to like have a better defense. Um, if you haven't seen Steve Dangle's video of this recapping this game, it's hilarious. Um, he was basically screaming at Toronto's defense the entire game. Um, but uh, you know, so but uh, yeah, it's like it was one of those things where I felt like, and and Steve Dangle mentioned it too, is that I felt like. The Maple Leafs were the better team, but like the Bruins just outworked them. Like they played yeah. a full sixty minutes, and uh, they took advantage of whenever the the Maple Leafs got sloppy. Um, so so there was that. And it also helps that Frederick Anderson wasn't playing this game, so that there was that too. But um, anyways, David Krejci. It was also good psychologically for Boston. Yeah. Because now the season series is over. Boston's taken three or four meetings. Sure. They're like one point behind the Leafs in the standings now. Yeah. No, that's for sure. So you know you can, you know you can beat the Leafs. You've done it three times in the regular season already. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, uh, David Krejci gets a goal. Uh, Sean Corelli and Chara get the assist. Um, and then in the second period was when I started to really worry, especially because Andreas Janssen gets gets a goal, and then Mitchell Marner gets like this sweet slap shot. Um, it was one of the he most. You should really shoot it more. He's yeah, got a cannon. Well, he has 17 goals so far um, this year. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was uh, like it was one of those things where it's like there's no. I wasn't even mad at Tuca at that point, or even our defense. I was just like, 
All right, you can't even stop that. Um, so that was a phenomenal. Um, and then um, and then what happened was Sean Corrali gets a goal and ties things up. Uh, there was some defensive lapses, like Saitsev was like in the wrong place and Corrali was wide open. I know Sean Corrali's like a fourth line guy, but you know doesn't matter. You you should you should be guarding that guy. Um, and then um, and then this was the craziest part was uh, there was about like a tw- uh, like a minute left into the game. The puck goes into the the Maple Leaf zone. I uh, I think it was it might have been Kadri, um, or it might have been Zaitsev or something. But Zaitsev gets this puck, and then all of a sudden Sean Corrale comes in and body checks him. He takes the puck from him from the wall, and in comes David Pasternak, who uh, shoots the goal, uh, or and Corrale passes it to David Pasternak, who's right by the net at this point, and he scores with uh, 15 seconds left in the game in the period. Yeah, um, second period, yeah. And uh, and this was one of the things where like Steve Dangle went nuts over, um, and I was like, I was just like, at in the moment, I was just going like, wait, what? Like, cause I was, I remember I was writing you like, it's two two Bruins, uh, Maple Leafs. This feels like a playoff game, and then I turned over because I was watching the football game on the TV, and then watching this game on on my computer, and then. All of a sudden, I hear Jack Edwards excitedly say, "Like David Pasternak scores," and I was like, "Oh shit!" And then, uh, so then I like email you again saying, "Oh no, never mind. Three two going into the third." Um, yeah. But it was just a nuts thing because it's like, like you know, it was way, like it's the perfect example of like why you need to play fu- the full forty minutes. It just seemed like Toronto like had like thought the the period was over, but you wouldn't like don't tell that to Sean Corrale or David Pasternak because yeah exactly. you know? and that's the psychological edge again yeah. that Toronto doesn't have like yeah you know they're they're in control it seems like they have the momentum and then that goal yeah. that late in a period and all of a sudden you go from a 2-2 game anything can happen to okay we gotta tie it up again right and I think they only got like six shots in the final frame they couldn't do it yeah and uh so Sean Corrale like he's He's been a fantastic depth player for us. He had one goal and two assists in that game. But, um, yeah, he was phenomenal, even though he only played 15 minutes of, of ice time there. Um, so that that was a kudos to him, especially. Uh, Tuka Rask also played really well because he had – it was like like in the third period, it was basically just the Tuka Rask show because he was just stopping all the stuff. And, and that's when it really felt like a playoff game because – well, first off, Jack Edwards was screaming at the top of his lungs for about 10 minutes. And I was, like, just purely focused on my computer the entire time. But, like, Tuka Rask was a brick wall, basically, um, and uh, for that entire third period. So, good on uh, – that, that, that was probably the biggest win we had this season. Um, and um, I know Frederick Anderson wasn't playing, but – um, it was a good preview for what's to come in the playoffs because I know that's going to happen um, if both these teams make it. So um, there's that. Yeah, and depending on what Toronto and Boston does, it's probably going to be two completely different teams. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When it comes to like what the roster looks like. Yeah, I guess. I don't know if it's going to be like too different. I, I'm sure Toronto's going to try to get a defenseman. Bruins are going to try to get a winger. 
Um, but yeah, no, you're right. In, in terms of if the Leafs think they're going to get by Boston in round but, one with the team yeah. that they have, they're obviously um, right. not thinking that far ahead because they sure. just lost three of four regular season games to this exact same Bruins team. Right. Like, how do you expect things to be better in the playoffs if you don't do something to address? Well, that? that's that's the crazy thing about it is it like it seems like the Bruins just have the Maple Leafs number. I know it's an inevitably going to happen where Toronto finally beats the Bruins, and then I think I that's feel when like Toronto's um, deadline moves are going to be like, okay, how do we get past Boston? Right, right. But like, I think that that might be an issue, though. I mean, we can talk about this offline, but I think that might be an issue with Toronto yeah, because, like, if you're if you're gonna yeah, and then and then and then they play Tampa in the next round and then they can't yeah, beat exactly. Tampa, right? So, um, so I'm not sure if that's the best strategy for them. But I do feel yeah, like I do feel like that if slash when the Bruin the the Maple Leafs do beat the Bruins in a playoff series. I think Toronto is will be a team that will make it like at least in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, yeah. Um, I I think uh, once they go over that hump, it's like we're the Penguins to like, to like their Capitals. Finally being Pittsburgh. Last yeah, yeah, year. exactly. Um, <laughs> we just thought of the same analogy at the same time. Yeah, we're on the same wavelength. We're on the same today. wavelength, of course. Well, I mean, we, we're we're about two hours in, so we have to be. Um, <laughs> Uh, Brad, uh, anyways, uh, I'll be quick here for the, the last game because this was a, this was a unlucky game for the Bruins because they had uh, 40 shots on Carey Price and only two of them went in. Um, excuse me, 45 shots and only two of them went in. Um, yeah, Carey Price is back to, speaking of teams that have, the, have other teams' number, um, Montreal has had the Bruins number for a long time, um, although it's kind of stopped when, last year when Montreal wasn't as good. But uh, this year, it's, it seems like Carey Price is is uh, he's he's he was really good. He was making a lot. He's saving a lot of shots um, that I think on any other goalie they probably would have gone in. But um, he's he's one of a kind, man. Um, yeah. He's not going to be in the All-Star game since we skipped that part, but um, which is kind of confusing because I thought he was actually injured, but it looks like he's just not going, um, which is interesting. Um, anyways, uh, what happened was Brad Marchand scores in the first, then uh, Brandon Gallagher gets this goal. Um, this was one of those fluky ones that I felt like uh, Rask should have had, but whatever. Paul Byron gets a shorthanded goal. This is a breakaway. Um, that was kind of whatever. Um, yeah, it... I think both the Habs goals came in the late stages of the period. Too. Yep. So no, they did. Again, like the Pasternak goal in the Leafs game, that can kind of yeah hit, hit it and kind of lower the morale a little bit. Especially on a shorthand goal. Um, and then yeah, get this. Especially when yep. you're dominating the other team. And then, and then this was the craziest part. So uh, late in the third, like there's about two minutes left in the game. Uh, Montreal gets a penalty. I think it was. Oh, let me look here. It was. Um, it was Nicholas. No, no. It was. Uh, oh no, it was Delorier. I guess. Yeah, Nicholas Delorier. Yeah. Uh, so no wait, but he got a penalty for fighting. It was who am I? 
Oh, it was Michael Chaput uh, for a delay of game, a puck over the glass. There's a... Um, yeah, that. And uh, so the, the Bruins were on a power play with two minutes left in the game. And they also, the Bruins also pulled their goalie. So all of a sudden it was a so six, six on four. It was a six on four, yeah. um, which means that the Bruins had to have, be on a two man advantage in order to score, to break even. Um, David Krejci gets that goal on a power play from Brad Marchand and Pasternak. But it's almost unfair at that point because it's like, oh yeah, of course they're going to score. It's like a six on four. Um, which was just, it was a great, that's a rarity in hockey, I feel like. So, um, but it was, it was, it was definitely something that was, it was at least good enough to get a point. Um, and over time, uh, Jeff Petrie gets a goal at like 15 minutes, 15 seconds into the game. It was um, a crazy deflection. Like I, yeah, I, I don't know. even Paul Rask or any goalie. Yeah, no, I, I, it was like a deflection. Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't necessarily faulting Rask. I was just happy that we got a point at least because yeah. uh, uh, Corey Price was just standing on his head the entire game. Um, so, so I'm just happy about that. But yeah, at the same time, it's just like. I don't know. It's crazy. One of those um, games where you probably deserved a better outcome, but didn't get it. Yeah, for and there sure. Are games where you probably deserved zero positive outcomes, and you somehow get two points. So yeah, yeah, for even sure. Um, yeah, uh, I was going to mention the trade, but you already did that. Colby Cave, um, is got was put on waivers, and then uh, of all people, Peter Shirelli claims him off waivers, or Edmonton uh, claims him off waivers. Um, I wish him the best, Coley Cave. He w- he was pretty good on the, in the AHL. Um, I don't know what this entails for him in the Edmonton. Uh, like he could be on the pro roster, but he was like a top line center for the Bruins for a couple of games there. Um, so I I don't know. I could see it working out, but uh, you never know with Edmonton, especially now. So um, yeah, I wish him the luck. Though. A trade and he ends up going to another team. Yeah, he had and five points. He had five points in 20 games for the Bruins, um, for, you know, the Boston Bruins, and then uh, 18 points in 15 games for the AHL Bruins. So um, we'll see how he does in Edmonton. Uh, The Bruins have, they play Philly tonight um, on Wednesday. Then they play St. Louis. They'll play Jordan Winnington uh, on, on Thursday. Um, then they'll play the Rangers on Saturday, and then we're on a bye uh, for the next week um, and the All Star game. And we, the next game we play is uh, against Winnipeg on the 29th. So we have a, a bit uh, until then. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, I guess we're on a bye. That's the, yeah. the thing. Um, yeah, and it, it, if you're a Bruins fan, uh, Pasternak and Marshawn uh, had this uh, kind of like um, interview type thing where they're playing air hockey um, and they're being interviewed at the same time. It was kind of a cool watch if you have the time. It was, I think it was for, uh, I want to say Budweiser, but I, I, I'm blanking on the actual company that uh, sponsored it. But uh, cool, th- some some interesting uh, facts about both Marshawn and Pasternak. Uh, one, Marshawn believes in aliens. Um, <laughs> he was uh, 100% in, on aliens. 
Pasternak uh, FaceTime FaceTimes his dog um, after every before every game. Um, Marshawn was joking around that he like he would go into the bathroom bathroom and see and then hear like Pasternak's phone like yell woof woof um, and uh, all that. And then uh, Pasternak also told a funny story about how uh, John Scott once asked uh, him to fight. And uh, Pastor Nack just pretended that he couldn't speak English, so he and then he said that he couldn't speak, he couldn't think straight, uh, or he couldn't even sleep the entire night afterwards. And I, uh, it was just like it was just real relatable for everything. It's like you know you you take you Facetime your dog, you uh, you know you you believe in aliens and uh, and all that, and you're and you're afraid of John Scott. I yeah. FaceTime my dog. Why do you want to fight me? Yeah. What did I do to you? Yeah. Um, and, and you're afraid of John Scott. That's like basically every person ever. So, um, yeah. so if if you have the time, please watch it. I, I think there's other gems in there that I'm probably missing as well. But um, yeah, uh, I just wanted to shout that out because it was it was real relatable moments from both Marshawn and Pasternak. Uh, we need more of that in the NHL. Um, just personality wise. Uh, anyways, more players FaceTiming their dogs. And Aaron, get on it. Yeah, yeah, we that that's all we need is just just FaceTime your dogs. I don't know. Um, the uh, yeah, we're at two hours. I I'm I'm thankful if you've listened this far. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, you you know how to catch us. Our Twitter is laced up. Uh, podcast. Our Facebook is lace them up. Uh, you can catch us on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes if you haven't already. Subscribe, please. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Brett Duboff. Steve Ellsworth will talk again in episode 155 of the Lace Em Up podcast.